Hello, and welcome to Disney Rewind, a Disney nostalgia podcast served with a glass of wine. We are your hosts, Adina Winnett and Rachel Seedman. In each episode, we break down a piece of Disney media and pair it perfectly with a glass of wine. Disney Rewind is a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to at Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest episodes and posts from our show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Cheers. Hello. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. My gosh. Okay. So before we even get into anything, as you guys know, because we announced it on our last episode, I moved. Yay. And I'm now in my own office that has not been decorated with anything, Mm -hmm. hence an echo. And I apologize. (laughs) We're going to just work with it for the time being, and eventually we will solve the echo. We will. But yay, I moved. Hence our little break, because I was stressed AF. I'm still stressed AF, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, moving moving will absolutely, it's one of the best things and the worst things in the world. (laughs) Yeah, the, the moving, also the renovations, but I... I'm in love with our new house. I cannot wait to actually decorate it and make it more of our own. Yay. So, yay. But with that, you guys, you guys, you guys, it's our 40th episode. How? Right? This is very, very exciting. I am so stoked to be doing this movie, and there's two reasons why I chose this movie, so let's just get straight on into it. We are doing the Emperor's New Groove. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. So much fun. This is a great movie. And before we get to any other information, I just have to say why I picked this. Because, Please. again, it, it is twofold. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, um, the, the not-so-great reason that I chose this movie, I was actually supposed to be gone right now to Central America. I know this doesn't take place in Central America. More on that to follow. But <laughs> I was supposed to be gone for a month in Central America, and this was supposed to be my bon voyage. I'm leaving for a month. Enjoy this episode. Uh, but you guys, COVID just keeps being a thing, and my month-long all-expense-paid trip to El Salvador did not happen. So this is my little soapbox. I promise I'll get off it eventually. Get vaccinated, get boosted, be smart, do all of those things because I do not want another trip to get canceled. This is my second trip that I was supposed to go on for work that got canceled. But I have a more exciting reason why I picked this movie too. I think I know as well. You guys, you guys, you guys. This movie is the 40th movie for Walt Disney Animation. So we are doing their 40th movie for our 40th episode. Yes. I was so excited to stumble across that in my research. I know that whoever picks the movie like talks about what number in the canon it was. But I was like, oh my God, episode 40. And this is our 40th episode. Guys, guys, guys. This is planned so well. <laughs> it was it was absolutely perfect. I had a feeling, like, knowing about where it was in history, I'm like, it's close. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be 40, but it was going to be close. And then when I confirmed it, I was like, oh, it's fate. This is yeah. the right movie to do. So, again, The Emperor's New Groove came out and was premiered on December 8th of the year 2000. Ooh, so long ago. My uh, God. And you think that that's, like, five seconds ago. <laughs> it wasn't. But it, it, it's... 21 years ago. Don't say these things to me. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Uh, And then it had its full premiere and released to everybody on December 15th, 2000. This was directed by Mark Dindle and was based on a story by him and Chris Williams. 
Now, Disney Plus synopsis, actually, I personally loved. I thought it was short, sweet, to the point. It had everything I wanted. Uh, I did write my own, too. That's a little bit longer. But Disney Plus, a selfish emperor learns a lesson in humility when he is turned into a llama. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what happens in this movie. Yeah. I wanted to put a little bit more pizzazz into this because, you know, Cusco, he needs a little pizzazz to him. Cusco might not be everyone's favorite emperor. He just told a village leader, Pacha, that he plans on building Cusco-topia over their land. He fired his oldest advisor, Yzma, and he wasn't afraid to toss out anyone who threw off his groove. Yzma has had it with Cusco and plans on killing him, but her plan goes awry when he is accidentally turned into a llama instead by her henchman, Kronk. Cusco must work with Pacha to put his ego aside in order to return to the palace and turn back into the emperor before Yzma and Kronk catch up to him to finish the job. Hmm. Well done. Thank you. No, we need some characters in this. We got to like learn a little bit more, but I, I also just really like the Disney one too. Yeah. I like that you added in my, my favorite side character of man who throws off emperor's groove. (laughs) (laughs) He threw off my groove, man. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What a time. So let's drink. Yes, please. Okay. I'm super excited about this wine. Me too. We are drinking the Bodega Garzon Albarino. I'm going to give super quick tasting notes because I'm really excited to drink this. Pale yellow and greenish reflections, this Albarino is intense in the nose with peach and citrus notes. The freshness and minerality mid-palate is superb with remarkable acidity and a round, crisp finish. Whoa. There's a lot there. Lots of buzzwords. Yeah. So I say, Rachel, cheers. Cheers to 40 episodes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. I'm getting the peach on the nose. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so this is like a very refreshing wine, and yes. it's very, it is very like well rounded. I specifically chose to drink it out of a clear wine glass so that I could see the color because it. The first thing is pale yellow with greenish reflections, and it does have like a very subtle green hint to it, and it's it's a really unique color of wine that. I don't think we've had before. Like we've had a vino verde, which Mm -hmm. literally means green wine. But as we discussed in our Dumbo episode, that means that it is young. So this particular wine, it is aged in stainless steel tanks between three to six months. So you're not getting any oak on this. No. This is an Adina wine. Yes, it is. (laughs) The ideal serving temperature is 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, which is around 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So it should be well chilled. Mm-hmm. Pairs well with, this is from the website. So very interesting. Cod with cockles, citrus prawn salad, or traditional grilled seafood with warm mango salad and beans. It is also delightfully well suited to Asian food, Peruvian ceviche. Hey. Or a fresh tuna salad. That was like such a fun selling point. I was like, oh, hey, you know, we're talking about a movie that takes place in the Incan Empire. So it's like Peru. This particular winery, Bodega Garzon, I think that's how you pronounce it, is close to Punta del Este, La Barra, and Jose Ignacio, which is known as Uruguayan paradise at its best. 
with mesmerizing landscapes. So this wine comes from South America, from the country of Uruguay, Mm. which I did not know Uruguay had a wine country. Me neither, but if it's like a little piece of paradise, I want to know more. So a little blurb from their website. Located 11 miles from the Atlantic Ocean, our estate has more than 1,000 small vineyard blocks covering its hillside slopes, which benefit from varying microclimates, different levels of humidity, and an intense canopy management. These factors allow the vines to develop with maximum exposure to the sun, providing rich, expressive fruit. The vineyards are surrounded by lush forests, rocky soils, granite boulders, and naturally occurring palm trees. And this winery was named the New World Winery of the Year by Wine Enthusiast in 2018. So this is a very highly acclaimed winery. It is one of the only wineries that exports from Uruguay to the United States. I just, as you were reading that, that whole description is on the bottle, but it's all written in Spanish. And as I previously <laughs> stated, I was supposed to be, I've been working on my Spanish, so I uh-huh. read along the whole thing in Spanish to what you were saying. So again, the label on this, I just love that the full label on the front has a lot of information all in Spanish. None of that is in English anywhere to be found on the bottle itself. So that was just, that was cool that all of the things you were saying, I was like, oh, hey, that's what's right here. <laughs> so that's fun. A, a little quick note about Albarino. And this is your classic Albarino, which really comes from Spain. And I'll get into why that really works with Uruguay in a second. So with Albarino in general, this is the first time we're doing this wine, you're going to expect a dry white wine with light body, no tannins, and high acidity. And I'm getting all of those. So this is a very classic Albarino. Mm-hmm. And... um On the nose, you expect aromas of nectarine, lime, grapefruit with subtle hints of honeysuckle and occasionally beeswax. But on the palate, Albarino wines have what's called a weighty mid-palate and mouthwatering acidity that finishes with a slight salinity, so a saltiness, and sometimes a subtle bitter note like green almond or like citrus peel. And that is because of the grapes' really thick skin. So Albarino grapes are very small and have a tough skin. Mm-hmm. And that makes them kind of hard to cultivate and turn into wine and has all of these really unique tendencies to them. Most Albarinos are drunk young and fresh. But due to this high acidity, it has the incredible potential for aging. Yeah, there's actually a winery here that I love to go to that does a very great Albarino and they do it, they actually put it not in stainless steel, they do it in a stone egg. And so it's called a stone egg Albarino. And it's amazing. Thank you for that segue because I'm going to talk about places in which the Albarino grape are grown. Yeah. So... The high quality of the Albarino grape, it leads to this ability to cope with maritime microclimates, so along the ocean, and an increased interest in Spanish grape varieties. It has seen the the variety begin to find a home in other parts of the world with these cooler coastal climates. So there are quite a few in San Luis Obispo County. 
Yep. Where Rachel lives. Over 50 acres of this of the state of California's 20 of 120 hectares are found. You find this Albarino grape. Mm. So it is also a very similar climate down in Uruguay. So similar to Spain, the Galician coast, Uruguay has a very similar climate to that area. And that is why the wines grown in Uruguay, specifically of the Albarino grape, are so similar, almost identical to that of the ones originating in Spain. Hmm. So as I mentioned, I don't know if you caught this when I was describing the winery, I talked about the canopy management of the Mm -hmm. grapes. Yes. Which, super fascinating. Most Albarino vineyards have vines that are trellised above your head on pergolas to help keep the grapes dry and rot free. Hmm. So if you visit this winery or many other Albarino wineries, you will see little like canopies of grapes like you're not going to see the traditional vines as you would just on the ground but it's above your head because the albarino grapes are very susceptible to rot and mold so they need to be kept off of the ground so adina yes thinking back to your bachelorette party I don't know if those were Albarino grapes. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know that they were, but we do have some great pictures to represent what this could be looking like at a winery that grows Albarino. They might be Albarino grapes. They might not be. (laughs) I think they're probably not. However, seeing them be above you on a pergola is a really beautiful way to have your grapes displayed essentially at your winery. Insta-worthy as well as practical, one might say. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I was really fascinated. I actually spoke with my dad and I said, you know, I'm I'm doing an Albarino wine for our Emperor's New Groove episode. And where do you think it's from? And he said, oh, it's from Spain. And I'm like, it's actually from Uruguay. And my dad, who is a sommelier, didn't know that there were... Wines made in Uruguay. Oh, the more you know. I know more than you. (laughs) Well, now you just taught him, so now he knows more again. Um, Uruguay is the fourth largest wine producer in South America, and its output in 2018 was 18 million liters of wine. Wow. So I don't know. I I wanted to do a South American wine for sure, and I just Mm -hmm. thought, you know, this is a very unique movie. Yes. In the Disney archives. Yes, it is. So let's pick a unique wine from a different country that we haven't tried before. And my final note is Albarino Day is celebrated on August 1st. Oh my gosh. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This would be so great to have in summer. Perfect on on August 1st. Yeah. Well, this is a great wine, and I am excited to continue drinking it and now to talk about this very unique movie in the realm of Disney. Oh, man. So I'm actually going to let Adina start us off because I know that you did some investigation into just (laughs) – I know you were looking at the production. So what what happened on production, Adina? Look – I am a sucker for reality TV. I love that drama. Give it to me. 
<laughs> and boy, does this movie have a lot of drama. I yeah. would love to give an early shout out to our patron, Clocky McDowell, because he sent us this amazing article mm-hmm. from Vulture titled, An Oral History of the Emperor's New Groove, a raucous Disney animated film that almost never happened. Yes. <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning. This movie was originally planned to have been a dramatic, sweeping Disney musical titled Kingdom of the Sun. It was going to be directed by Lion King director Roger Allers and, as Rachel mentioned, Mark Dindle, who was the director of Turner's Cats Don't Dance. It was going to have six original songs written by Sting. And <laughs> it was, a, yeah, I know. Yes, guys. The Sting of the, the Police. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was essentially going to be an Incan retelling of Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. David Spade was brought on pretty early into this project, and he was going to be the voice of the young Emperor Manco. And Owen Wilson was going to be Pacha, a young peasant with a striking resemblance to the Emperor. And Eartha Kitt was Isma the aging royal sorceress. (laughs) Now, fun fact, I went on a slight dive here why they changed his name. I mean, we know Cusco was the capital of the Incan Empire. I know Rachel did some research on that, so I'm not going to go into that. But Mm -hmm. why was he not continued to be called Manco, M-A-N-C-O? It doesn't mean anything profane in English, but it has close to a bad meaning in Japanese. (laughs) The word omanko means literally vagina, but no, no one would use it anatomically. It means like the C word, which <laughs> we're an explicit podcast. I'm not saying that word on this podcast. No, thanks. Um, but it is so offensive that it is the only word prohibited in Japanese media and public speech. The Holy only shit. word. <laughs> So so Disney wasn't allowed to use like a similar word or name for the main character. So that's how we landed on Cusco. Okay. Back to the original Kingdom of the Sun. The movie involved Manco and Pacha switching places, except that Yzma finds out, turns Manco into a non-speaking llama and makes Pacha do her bidding. Pacha eventually was to fall in love with a woman named Nina, who was to be voiced by Carla Gugino. While Manka, as a llama, learns humility in his new form and comes to meet a tough-as-nails female llama herder named Mata, they team up to stop Yzma's evil plans, save the country from darkness, end up falling in love with each other, and yada, yada, yada. This movie tested really poorly, so the production was suspended, even though the movie was 50% complete. Oh my gosh. So we then have Roger Allers, again, who was going to be the co-director. He and the supervising animator for Yzma, Andreas Deja, who we've talked about many times, left the project, moved to Orlando to work (laughs) on Lilo and Stitch. (laughs) Hey! So during this production hiatus, Dindle... Our producer, Randy Fulmer, storyman Chris Williams, and screenwriter David Reynolds completely overhauled the movie, eventually throwing out Owen Wilson, this whole Prince and the Popper angle, all of the completed footage, oh my and all but one of Sting's songs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> By the summer of 1998, again, half this movie's been scrapped. Lots of shit went down. It was increasingly clear that Kingdom of the Sun was not going to make its summer 2000 release date. Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) Extensions were asked for. They were not given. (laughs) The story was completely rebuilt from the ground up, retaining David Spade's and Eartha Kitt's characters and creating a new wackier movie that centered around a talking llama, Yzma, and two new characters, Pacha and Kronk. Ah. This whole thing is much better detailed in a documentary called The Sweatbox, <laughs> which was created and directed by Trudy Styler, Sting's wife. <laughs> which is just like, okay, okay, okay. When I saw that, I'm like, wait, your wife? Like, I'm sure she's great. I'm sure she wasn't, like, doing this because Sting, like, asked her to. But it also kind of feels like a, because Sting asked her to. It was part of the deal to originally bring Sting into this project. It was written into his contract that his wife gets to film all of the -the behind-the-scenes production stuff. This movie premiered at the Toronto Film Festival on September 13th, 2002. Disney owns the rights. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not really anywhere. Oh, yeah. They, they like, shut it down. It got posted, like, on YouTube one mm-hmm. time, and they got that thing removed so fast, they do not want it really to see the light of day. And this goes into the struggle, the controversy, and all of the shit that went into the making of this movie. I do wish that Disney would release it, but I know that Disney's like, hell no. Maybe in like another 20 years. Maybe for the 40th anniversary of Emperor's New Group. Right, in 2040. Be on the lookout. (laughs) It's so strange that Sting is so, so on the side of this movie. Like, seriously. We're coming on the heels of Tarzan. Yes. That was scored and soundtracked. That's not a word. Soundtracked. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. By Phil Collins. Mm. And what a fucking legend. But clearly, with the success of Tarzan, they see, oh, a rock star can totally do our whole movie soundtrack. Let's get Sting. Oh, wait, we're going to scrap this whole thing. Well, it's even more like if you take it back even further, because Lion King was done by Elton John. And so, like, you have a history of, like, Elton John, huge success. Everything was great. Mm -hmm. Phil Collins doing Tarzan, iconic. Take a drink, everybody, because when we get to that, that is iconic. Yes. But but then you get Sting, and you're like, you know what, you guys? I want to know who pitched this. I want to know who pitched Sting (laughs) doing music. It could have been so good. And he wrote all these songs that just stopped working because half of the characters the songs were written for were gone. So he had to scrap everything. I just have two quick things about Sting, one of which I think will lead well into your dive. I'm sure it will. So the first one is our wonderful producer, Don Hahn. He's worked on so many of our Disney movies, and I don't think we give him enough of a shout out. We don't. But... He has a really funny quote I found that I had to read. He recalled that after visiting Sting and his wife at his home in Malibu, the crew rushed to a gas station to use the bathroom 
because they were all so nervous and didn't want to go pee in Stang's house. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> reasonable. So reasonable. My second thing in the 90s, 2000s, Disney, and well before that, Disney has not really done indigenous portrayals very well. Nope. When it came to The Emperor's New Groove, Sting really wanted to make sure that this wasn't completely done dirty. So in the original ending of the final draft of this movie, it had Cusco build his house amusement park on a hill that had a rainforest on it. And Sting was like, hell no. He wrote this letter to Disney, quote, you do this, I'm resigning because this is exactly the opposite of what I stand for. I've spent 20 years trying to defend the rights of indigenous people and you're just marching over them to build a theme park. I will not be party to this. Girl, <laughs> does this lead into what I have to say or what? So I want to talk about historical inaccuracies and accuracies <laughs> oh, of <Lord>. this movie. <laughs> And I want to give a shout out to where I got this information from because I actually got it from a girl from Peru who did a YouTube video talking all about this movie and about her thoughts as a Peruvian watching The Emperor's New Groove. So I want to give a shout out to Aid Says on YouTube. You guys, she has a lot of videos where she talks about different Disney movies. She's like one of us. I want her to know that mm. I was watching her videos and I'm like, girl, I see you. You're one of us. But as a Peruvian, she broke down this movie and talked about some things. So we're actually going to start with some inaccuracies and we're going to start with what you just said. Great. Because coming from her and granted, she doesn't speak for the an entire country. I will admit to that 100%. However, she is born, raised, lives in Peru. And one of the biggest things that she said was about this change of the ending to this movie. That while, yes, Sting wrote all of this saying you have to change the ending, back in the Incan Empire, when this was an actual thing, it would have actually made people feel honored if their town got demolished to serve the Incan emperor. Oh. It would not have been an offensive thing. At the same time, Cusco is Incan. He is an indigenous person as well. So this is his land too as the emperor. So when she saw that, she's like, yeah, I get what he's trying to say. However, it would not have actually upset people and people would have been like, yes, use our land. If this is where you want to build your temple, not your theme park, but whatever. <laughs> if this is where you want to build your temple, if our land is the land that you want, take it. It is yours. We, we go, we honor you. Take huh. our land. Fascinating. Right? So let's just keep on going because this girl, she mm. did such a great job breaking some things down for me. We're going to just start at the beginning. We're going back to your opening song. There is a just a single word in there that we are talking about that uh, we are in Mesoamerican history. Let's pause. Team, time, time, time. Um, <laughs> no, we fucking aren't. Peru and the Incan Empire was not in Mesoamerica. It's a different area. That is Central America and Mexico. This is in a completely right. different area. So right. that I was just like, 
oh boy, we're off to a rough start if we're just already butchering history. Oh, Sting. Sting, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, fucked us over here, bro. If you're trying to like stand up for these people, get it right. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, here, here, here's another big one. This is a biggie. This is a huge one. The title of emperor did not exist in the Incan Empire at all. The title mm. that Cusco should have is Inca, because these people who were quote unquote emperors, they were Incas. They saw themselves as different from the common people. They saw themselves as almost a deity. They saw Mm. themselves with this relation to the sun god. They saw themselves these different ways. So they actually were referred to as Inca. So every time the emperor's new group, that is a wrong title. It should be the Inca's new group. Like, that's not as catchy. No one would get it. But it's very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Additionally, this was a big one. There were no wheels in the Incan Empire. Because <laughs> they, if you if you've ever seen a picture of Machu Picchu or anywhere else in Peru, it's just stairs upon stairs, very upon square, stairs. Yeah. and it's just all all carved into a mountain. So wheels wouldn't work. So this this entire culture did not have wheels. They didn't use wheels for things, nor did they have llamas pull carts. Llamas don't pull things behind them. No. <laughs> so, but be the, a donkey. Well, I'm so happy you said that because actually the amount of llamas being used in this movie was completely accurate. They did not have cows or horses or any other kind of work animal. The animal, the main animal was the llama. So that is very, very accurate that this this was so heavily represented throughout the movie. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one's good. This one I just also loved because it kind of ties into it. At one point in the movie, Yzma's eating what appears to be like chicken, like chicken drumsticks or something like that. Chicken did not exist until the Spanish brought it over. So that was wrong, too. That's just a little historical one. (laughs) What about the pill bug? The pill bug, she... Oh, God. This girl went on a rant (laughs) about the pill bug. She's like... We eat such good food and the food that's showing that like, oh, Peruvians just eat like insects and gross food, which isn't helped by Zac Efron going to Peru and his like down to earth show that he does. Mm. And he does eat bugs while he's there. And she's oh, like, gosh. that didn't help the situation. But Peruvian food is delicious. There's a Peruvian is. restaurant near us and it's really good. We have one too. And it's like one of our nicest restaurants in slow. Oh. And I went and we bawled out there and I was I don't know the last time I felt that stuffed <laughs> as when I was at a Peruvian restaurant so uh, I'm gonna get to that in just like a oh good a second some other just kind of funny things no squirrels there's no squirrels no <laughs> I mean we're not no. gonna talk about the balloon situation but just the squirrels it's like <laughs> but the, it, it was funny like why not choose an animal that actually would be there like yes the squirrels are cute and they're funny and all of that but like like choose a an indigenous bird exactly. or something that, and he be- goes squawk squawk squawker <laughs> <laughs> squawk squawkin squawk squawk <laughs> i don't know something a little bit more no you're you're totally right uh and also jaguars are solitary animals so you would not fall into yeah. a pack of jaguars that end mm. up ca- chasing you you'd get i mean there'd be one and you would die but you wouldn't have a entire pack of jaguars chasing you before i get to like the worst thing about this movie 
Oh, gosh. I want to talk about the good things that they actually okay. did pretty right. To like, I want to give them some credit before I just, like, trash them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said before, no horses, no cows, and you don't see any of those in this. Uh, Cusco's kingdom and his outfits, like, so Cusco's palace and everything he wears, pretty damn accurate. Just gold cool. everywhere, gems everywhere. That is what a palace would look like. Cool. Also, we were going to have to share a picture of this because as soon as she talked about this and showed a comparison picture, I was like, oh, so cool. The palace itself looks like a Toomey knife. And so when you see the outside of the palace and it kind of looks like a face with kind Mm -hmm. of just like this crown and everything, Mm -hmm. that's like an identical replica of an actual thing that is called a Toomey knife. And so we'll have to share this comparison picture. It's super, super cool. So that was was like cool representation. Awesome. And then the palace has, again, so a lot of the accurate things were on the palace and the landscapes that you see throughout the movie. That's the most accurate is the scenery through this movie. There's a lot of symbols on it that are actually called the Chicanas, and they represent various aspects of the Andean worldview. So of the Andes Mountains, these symbols on his palace actually have a lot of meaning to them, and they they look accurate to what the symbols should. Now, that's all good and well and everything, but now I'm about to go on a rant, and it's probably the same rant that you have, or we have two different rants, and that'll be fun. My rant is the amount of Mexican references in a movie that is not taking place is astoundingly offensive that these are different cultures you have completely different cultures and i'm not just talking about like the sombrero that like happens at the like restaurant because that's really more of an american thing that we see during the happy birthday scene Uh 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 but there are so many things between the music the opening number is a salsa number and she's like salsa is not a thing in peru salsa is not a style of music you could do a different style that would be more indicative to our area that's not our our music and so our music the food that they talk about through it when you listen to the spanish dub of this movie and i watched some clips of the spanish dub of the movie they change some lines they're not spinach puffs no they're chicken they're chicken empanadas but of course but that doesn't exist in peru you mean spinach empanadas no they're supposed to be chicken Yeah, it was completely because spinach didn't exist. Of course. Spinach isn't. Oh, my God. So in the Spanish dub, they made it more accurate, but still wrong. It's still completely wrong. And so it was one of those things that watching this was just like, she didn't even need to say this. You're just like, what the fuck? You're combining all of these regions that are so unique and so different. And you're just like, whoop. It's yeah. all just this one area. And it's like, no, it's fucking not. And so you're doing a disgrace to every single region and every single culture here by not acknowledging and honoring and actually representing the different cultures. And I think that that's why, you know, at the end of our Wally episode, I initially said I need to find a Central American wine because mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to be taking place during the Incan Empire, but. There are all of these Mexican references brought in, and I'm just confused. Yes. It's very confusing, and it's just frustrating because you have this culture. And the the best thing, I think she said it best, and again, I encourage you guys to find – her name is Aid Says on YouTube. She's great. But she talked about how this isn't really taking place in Peru. 
Like the only reason that it's taking place in Peru is because they kind of make it look like it's the Incan Empire, but it could be anywhere. It could be absolutely anywhere. And they just happen to choose this location. They're not actually acknowledging and honoring the location and the culture that they're choosing. They just happen to slap a llama on it and be like, Peru, let's do this thing. This is actually, it leads well into my my version of this rant, hmm. which is that none of these actors that we have are Latin American, South American. No. They're all white. I know Disney has gotten better at this, but as I lead into my actor facts here, Every single person that they specifically cast was not of Latin descent. And what the fuck are you doing here? Like, David Spade is our title character. Other actors who were considered also not Latin. Chris Tucker, black. Michael J. Fox, white. Rowan Atkinson, white and British. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I mean... It, what? It, I I don't have any doubt of their comedic ability. No, of course not. But he is supposed to be Inca. He is supposed to be Inca, and that would never come through with any of those actors. No. And Rachel, I think that the, now is the time for me to tell you. I did not enjoy rewatching this movie. Get the fuck out of here. We're done. You guys, guess what? 40 episodes in. This is it. This is, this might be the biggest rift of our relationship uh, forever. Okay, go ahead. I'm really sorry because I had fond memories of watching this as a child, but it's not that funny. <gasps> Get <laughs> out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know what? Adam agreed with me because we care. watched it together and I was like, this isn't that funny, right? And he's like, no. I'm really sorry, but I just, I there was something bothering me the whole time watching this. I'm like, like there are funny parts, but I just, overall, it was very like, meh. You guys can't see my face. <laughs> I like can't accurately express my face right now. I think I just don't find David Spade funny. Like, I, okay, I, I don't can, I find him that. a very funny comedian. I don't love his movies. He's and not my favorite part of this, so I can no, 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 accept no. that 100%. I think a huge problem I have is that David Spade was in his mid-30s, which means he is now in his mid-50s. But he was playing a 17-going-on-18-year-old. Because I hear David Spade's voice, I don't think of him as a teenager. No. And when we are at the the funeral and Isma's giving the eulogy and says on the on the eve of his 18th birthday I'm like the fuck? He looks it. I mean he's drawn he, to look he's it. He's drawn that but he doesn't can be drawn to look anything. <laughs> yeah, no that I mean I I don't disagree that when okay. I had tuned out the fact that he's a teenager I guess every Time Every single time. Dozens yeah. of times I've seen this, but like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. All right. I'm going to talk about the true savior of this movie. The most amazing character. That's valid. Kronk. Voiced by Patrick Warburton. Cheers. Iconic. I will take a drink to sure, Patrick yeah. Warburton. Yeah. So like 
everyone listening to this podcast, Mr. Patrick Warburton is a huge Disney fan. Yes, he is. He loves Disney. I have a quote from him. I just grew up loving Disney, and I say that I love Disney as much as any straight man in the world can love Disney. I believe it's the happiest place on earth. I know that it's, although it's a corporation, you know, a huge corporation, I still believe that the soul of Walt Disney exists there, and I just love it. I love taking the kids. I love spending my time there. It is just a truly joyous place. So to get to work and be a part of anything Disney is still very special to me. I have to say. Patrick Warburton, if you would love to come on this podcast, we uh, would Patrick! have you. Like, you you just said all of the things that we think all the time. But him getting this role was very interesting. He, in an interview, admitted that he didn't know what a cronk was. Oh. <laughs> so Disney... Quote, Disney is very secretive. I just got four pages of material that had a cronk and an Yzma on it. Well, <laughs> what the hell is a cronk? I wasn't really sure if cronk was a robot, an ogre, a monster. The best determination I could make from reading the material is that he was something of a henchman. Yep. Oh, sir. Sir, 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 sir. You went above and beyond the henchman call of duty. One of my favorite things he does is he hums... <laughs> His own theme song. Oh, yes. Thank you for talking about this. He improvised that whole thing. And Disney's legal department had to have him sign over all of the rights to his humming. What? I <laughs> nice. see. And this is like where I talk about like how much I love this movie because I do that when I am like trying to like sneak around. Yeah. I will be in my house with a long hallway and if someone or my cat walks by, I'll just be like, <laughs> so good so good and the animators just like oh mwah, chef's wow. kiss so good what is he what 61 long 33 waist really hard to fit <laughs> so good uh he goes on to voice many an animated character both in the disney franchises as well as outside of it. But this was his first theatrically released animated movie. Well, and I just want to give him a shout out too, because outside of animation, he also, you may know him. If you go to Disney's California Adventure, you will recognize him as your captain speaking on soaring over the world, California, etc. all of those mm. things. So he also gets to really rock a character in the park as well, which I just love. Oh, so good. So... You know, he spends most of his scenes working with the incredible Eartha Kitt. Who also saves this movie. These two save the oh. movie. These two are the reason this movie yes. is great. But as we, we've talked about, most Disney animated movies, the voice actors record their lines separately. Mm -hmm. So they spent no time together recording Crazy. this movie. Crazy. However, this was not the first movie that they did together. Another fun quote. <laughs> 20 years prior to Emperor's New Groove, I had done a movie with Eartha Kitt in South Africa, and this was one of the most horrible films ever made in the history of mankind. His words. Oh my gosh. It's called Dragonard. I do remember one thing about Eartha. She could be a hundred feet away from you, and you knew that she was there because she ate raw garlic every day. Queen. 
speaking of the queen, let's move on to some fun facts about Eartha Kitt. Yes, please. <laughs> also, should we watch that movie and drink heavily together? Obviously. Okay, cool. So the original person envisioned for the role of Yzma was, I can't even fathom this, Barbara Streisand. I know. I saw that. and I was like, wrong. This is not her role. No. Eartha Kitt was born to play this role. Now, you may also recognize her as playing the original Catwoman in the Batman television show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they had a fun little homage to her, turning her into a cat at the end of the yep. movie. Yeah. Super fun. But she originally had a song called Snuff Out the Light. And in this song, Yzma narrates her jealousy and desire to take over Cusco's position of power in the kingdom. She sings about welcoming in demons and beasts that love and thrive in the darkness. The song was also meant to give audiences a better look into Yzma's background and origin story. In the original film, Kingdom of the Sun, Yzma's father was supposed to be a royal mortician who trained her to use magic to prolong her life, which is why she looks so old and decrepit. Fascinating. I don't have any fun facts about John Goodman in this role, except he's delightful. And he is. as John Goodman. Anything he does is wonderful. I love him. So I have two side character shout outs. First, we have John Fielder as, again, my favorite side character, the man who throws off the emperor's groove. <laughs> John Fielder has had a very prominent career in the world of voice acting, yes. and he is most famously known as Piglet. Yes, he is. Winnie the Pooh. And finally, speaking of famous voice actors, we have Bob Bergen as Bucky the Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Bergen, he has been a voice actor since 1978. Wow. A couple of fun things that he has voiced. He's voiced characters in Space Jam, Gremlins, Spirited Away, Sabrina, the animated series, Spider-Man, the TV series, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. He was Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars video games. (laughs) Like, he's also done... Voice work in A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Wally, Wreck-It Ralph, and Tangled. Just everywhere. Everywhere. I, I love just giving shout-outs to these unsung heroes in Disney movies. Oh, yeah. It, it brings me a lot of joy to do this work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. True. No, it's good. This is, this is part of why we do this podcast, to find out this type of information mm-hmm. that, like, we just would have never known before. No, never. And share that with all of you. Um, but, but I do, I, I'm dis, I, I'm still speechless over you not laughing at this movie, but we'll come back to oh, that later. Oh, hold up. I didn't say I didn't laugh. I just say overall, didn't love it. Either way, we're going to take a break <laughs> so we can process this information. But before we do, what do we need to do, Adina? Oh, we need to give a shout out to our patrons. We first have Chapter 3 Adventures. As well as now a double shout out to Clocky McDowell. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Our wine glasses are full. I've kind of processed what Adina has told me. So let's get into this movie. And it's... 
<laughs> it starts out like any classic, perfect 90s movie. I know it's 2000, but whatever. 90s movie should. And that is with a breaking of the fourth wall. So we see <laughs> a llama crying and we get a voiceover of our narrator starting. This might be why I love this movie. I love when when we get a fourth wall break. This is just something in movies that I love. And you do it so much in this movie. That's part of why I'm just like, I'm hooked. I'm into it. I love a good fourth wall break. Like Deadpool. Exactly. It's hysterical. Ferris Bueller. Great. Yes. We get cute little baby Cusco flashback as well. And yes. then I write, um, I don't remember there being a song as the opening number. Clearly, Seriously? it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I cannot tell you the last time I saw this movie. This is my go-to when I'm having a bad day. I watch The Emperor's New Groove. It makes me happy. Okay. But okay. I'm, um, I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll keep going. So we we meet Cusco, we get this story, and we start to learn a lot about him through this song. But also, I just, I had theme to write song this. Guy. <laughs> theme song guy is his official name. Yeah, it's his official title. <laughs> theme song guy. But after our song ends, we learn more about Cusco. He has all of these potential brides in front of him, and he doesn't like a single one. And this is one of my least favorite scenes in the entire movie. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. But if you are going into the mindset of this is a teenager who is trying to find his wife, like, meh, he's probably just trying to find an excuse to not be married. True. I was going a different way and I was going an excuse to bang versus an excuse to not be married. This is a Disney movie. Okay. We don't talk yeah. about banging in a Disney movie. I do. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Only with the smart house father, Sarah. <laughs> Hardcore ship them banging all day. <laughs> this is anyway, the first we brought up banging in our podcast. I think it is, which is shocking. Because there have been a episodes. lot of movies with some sexual tension. All right, let's move on. Episodes. Okay, so we we finally meet Pacha, and he has come to the palace because he has a summons from the emperor we don't know what it is he's kind of a little excited he's also nervous why could the emperor want to talk to him the leader of a village and we find out it's because i hear you have this wonderful hill that is there a nice place where the sun hits it? and then we get a meme come on people we got a meme from this movie when the sun hits it just right i did the meme uh and that's uh -huh. where Cuscotopia will be built. <laughs> but you are missing before this happens, before Pacha makes his way to the palace, we meet Yzma and Kronk. Mm. And we hear I the voiceover. Things out of order. Go ahead. Oh, good. We hear voiceover of Cusco talking about Yzma, who is the oldest person ever. And she likes to pretend she's in charge. And every decade or so, she gets a new crony. This this decade's model is Kronk. <laughs> it's so funny. So like, good. That relationship is the best. And then we see Yzma is fired. And not only is she fired, and Cusco says all of these anachronisms for being fired, he literally gives her a pink slip. And yes, I died. 
<laughs> be subtle things. Be so subtle. subtle. Things. Anything with Yzma and Kronk, I love. I just, I, I think it's that I don't love the character of Cusco. I find him, like, even in his redeeming moments, he's still an asshole. Bell. And that is the problem I will, that I have with this movie, I think. I will give you that 100%. Okay, thank Valid. you. So now we see P- why Pacha was summoned. So Yzma and Kronk walk away. They are pissed. And Kronk's like holding all these little busts for Yzma to smash. And he goes, yeah, it's a good thing you're hitting these busts and not getting back at the real Cusco. So clearly this whole revenge plot was really Kronk's idea. Oh, I was going to say, you know, Kronk really can also just like understand my mind when I'm stressed that I'm not actually ever solving a real problem. I'm Mm-mm. just, you know, handling a small problem in the moment. No. So it is time to head down to the secret lair. Pull the lever, Kronk. Wrong lever. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? <laughs> but then we get to them going down into the secret lab. And why is this not a ride? Right. Yzma, Yzma, put your hands up. It goes faster. <laughs> and Yzma is just looking so intense. Like This is such, again, I, I can quote this movie. I'm not going to quote this whole movie on here. Okay. I'll try. But yeah, <laughs> I, every time I watch this, especially when you then end in their, in their lab coats and gloves and everything, I'm like, that could be such a cool ending. You don't have to get into something else. But like, I don't know, a haunted mansion thing where all of a sudden yes. something else is layered on top of you. Like, that would be so cool. That'd be really fun. We get down to the lab and Yzma comes up with this plan. And her (laughs) plan is very absurd. And in short, she wants to, she has all of these potions. She can turn uh, Cusco into anything. And she's going to turn him into a flea and mail herself after she puts him in a box and into another box and mail that box to herself. And then when it arrives, ha 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 ha, I'll smash it with a hammer. However, she realizes she could save on postage if Uh she does something else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's just poison him. Yeah. Quick. Quick and dirty. So cut to dinner at the palace. I'm sorry. I now have to say we get to (laughs) invite Cusco to dinner and we get asked. They ask Kronk. Yzma asks Kronk one question. Kronk, do you have the poison? And he says, oh, right. The poison. The poison for Cusco. The poison chosen specifically to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. That poison. And so I made this myself. (laughs) I have an embroidery of that quote. (laughs) I made it. This is something I've made. Let me tell you how much I love this movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so good. We'll share a picture. Oh, my God. That's so good. I'm dying. I have had this finished uh, for a while and I'm like, I can't post it because I have to wait and surprise everybody when we actually do this movie. For the like three people that follow our personal Instagrams in addition to our, our podcast Instagram. Mostly it was you and my parents and your parents, Ooh. okay? And Adam. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> um, that is amazing. What's also amazing is... I- Kronk's meal. I would love to be Kronk's dinner ki- dinner guest. Yes. I know that the spinach puffs are supposed to be empanadas, but like 
I feel like Disney posted a recipe for Kronk spinach puffs like a while back. I want to make those. I love a good, like, it, it seems like it's like a, uh, a Greek dish, like a spanakopita. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm envisioning with a spinach puff. Mm. I don't know. Like, obviously, this is not a Greek movie. We already did that one. I'm actually wearing that shirt today. Hey! (laughs) No, I agree. I really want to make, like, uh, I was about to say Cusco. Oh, no. Kronk, the things that Kronk cares about, he cares about so fiercely. Mm -hmm. So things such as his cooking. His Uh cooking is something that matters so much to him. Mm -hmm. And I would love nothing more than to experience any of Kronk's cooking, whether it's here in the diner that we will experience in a little bit. <laughs> Anything that he does, it's just so sweet, so pure, so good. As Kronk is, you know, trying to poison Cusco, messing up, we get some fun sound effects in the, <laughs> in the closed captioning. My favorite, Twang's Fork, <laughs> which so accurate, so yeah. good, so bing, accurate. Bing, bing. Kronk has... He has misplaced the one glass that he put the poison into. So he mixes them all together, shakes them in a little (laughs) little shaker, and then hands one to everybody and discreetly tells you, don't drink the wine, (laughs) which also wine. So let's, let's us drink. Cheers. Cheers. It doesn't happen often that there's wine. It doesn't happen often that there's wine in Disney movies. So we have to drink. Yes, we do. But Yzma takes her glass of wine tosses it into a cactus and then cut to the next scene this cactus looks like a llama (laughs) which you're also getting to you said it almost perfectly my favorite line and i say this i uh, it does not ever fit in my life but i say it i don't know once a month a llama he's supposed to be dead (laughs) Cusco is a llama now and has been beaten over the head with the broccoli bowl yes (laughs) And Yzma goes, okay, Kronk, kill him. So he puts him in a bag. And this is where we get the theme song humming. Then Kronk takes the this, the bag that has Cusco, Llama Cusco in it, and puts it on this river that's about to go over a cliff. Actually, this is oh. one more accurate thing. Oh. It's an aqueduct. And the aqueduct system that, that was in the... Incan culture was incredibly, incredibly advanced. And so that aqueduct ah. that goes through everything, actually pretty represented. Again, if you go to Machu Picchu, you can see remnants of that aqueduct still standing to this day. So Amazing. their aqueducts were very, very well done. Continue. Okay. Love it. <laughs> but then we get another iconic moment of this movie. I'm drinking. Which are... Kronk's angel and devil on his shoulders. Which, again, this movie, (laughs) culturally speaking, like, not culturally movie-related, culturally, like, our culture-related is, I'm not going to say, we just said it, iconic. It's just very, it's very, like, heavily influenced. Like, these things are memes throughout this entire movie. You got TikTok, like. This whole movie uh, is a giant meme. Yes. If you yes. think of this movie as a giant meme, it is that that is what they did. That was not what they're trying to do, but that is what no. they did. We're now going to cut to Cusco is saved. He's been thrown onto the back of Pacha's cart. So we're now going to cut back to Pacha walking back to his home with an unsuspecting Cusco 
in the sack on his cart with the wheels that shouldn't exist. Thank you. And we meet Queen Chicha. Best wife ever. She is the first Disney character to be pregnant. How are we getting to the year 2000 with no pregnant women? Everybody knows how babies are made. 40 movies in and they get to a pregnant woman. But yeah, we just have all of this fourth wall breaking, which I can I enjoy. I just, I think it's just that I don't like David Spade. <laughs> you know what? I can accept I'm really that. sorry. No, no, no. That, that I will 100% accept. You do not okay. like, have to like David Spade. Okay, That's thank fine. You. Acceptable. Um, no, no complaints from me there. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, so now Cusco emerges from the bag and he is unaware that he is a llama. Can I also just say though, we mm-hmm. get we get this scene where Pacha so Pacha comes home and he's he's really sad because he's realizing that tomorrow he's gonna lose his home to Cuscotopia. And so he's kind of taking everything in and he's gonna go put his llama away. His llama has a name. His llama's name is Misty, which I've never <laughs> known that. I've seen this movie <laughs> dozens of times. I've never known that Pacha's llama's name is Misty, and I just wanted to call that out. What a great piece of Disney trivia. Right. So we get the whole demon llama scene. Llama <laughs> face! <laughs> but Pacha decides, you know what? Okay, I'll help you get back. But only if you decide to build Cusco-topia somewhere else. Like, I'll help Reasonable. You. That is reasonable. so reasonable. And Cusco says, nah, brah. I'm on my own. And you hear Pacha being like, oh, no, don't. There's jaguars. It's dangerous. So you kind of half think, like, maybe he's just saying that because that's what Cusco's thinking is, like, he's just saying these things. Mm-hmm. Um, until Cusco gets lost in a jungle. And he's a little scared, a little nervous, and he runs into a little squirrel friend. That's not scary. (laughs) Squirrels aren't scary. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, he is an asshole to said squirrel who then, you know, totally bites him in the ass. Yeah. But there's the pack of jaguars, including little baby jaguar. It is so (laughs) cute. cute. But, you know, we see Pacha comes through, swinging in on a vine with, in parentheses, Tarzan yell. Yep. <laughs> Which Adam brought up to me. He's like, oh, you should mention that on the podcast, that it's a Tarzan yell. I'm like. <sighs> okay. Just did. Okay. Just did. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's a really shit rescuer. And they get <laughs> swung into a tree branch that then falls off, falls into a lake that is about to go off. A waterfall. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they survive. They they do they do survive. Um, and at this point, they get out of the water and we kind of cut to uh Cusco's funeral. Yep. And we see Yzma and Kronk. Yzma is giving what seems to be a kind of actually nice eulogy, but then but she then. says, well, he ain't getting any debtor. It takes over from there. So this is where I'm like, oh, this is kind of a similar plot to Hercules where you have the bumbling sidekick or sidekicks who botched the killing of our hero. 
<laughs> like that's very accurate. That is very super accurate. accurate. But like, yeah. Anyway, so we've cut to the next morning. You saw that. You know, Cusco was shivering, so Pacha put his poncho on him and was like, ah, and maybe he's starting to become slightly more human. Oh, I have things to say. I have things to say. Do because you? in the morning. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I'm so excited. I've never been so excited before in my life. Because in the morning, uh, after Pacha has given his poncho, Pacha's poncho, to Cusco. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh-huh. I had to do that. Cusco uh-huh. comes back and is like kind of they're having a nice heart to heart moment and he's thanking him and says that feels really nice. He's like, oh, it's alpaca wool. And he says, oh, does your wife knit? And he says, no, she crochets. And guess what, you guys? So do I. <laughs> guys, Rachel is the crafting queen. Um, any, I like any to describe kind of it crap. as yeah. uh, the fiber arts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the actual term for it. You already talked about your cross-stitching, and now we're talking about your crocheting. See? It's fine. (laughs) I do a lot, you guys. I'm I'm crafty, okay? I like to craft. I like doing these things. But that scene just always, like, warms my heart because it's like, when do you hear about crochet in anything? Literally never. Never. (laughs) Unless it's referring to, like, very old ladies. No offense. None taken at all. Great. So now, as I mentioned, you know, Cusco appears to be acting slightly more human. And he's saying like, oh, you know, I won't build Cusco-topia on your house anymore. Like, we're cool. We're chill. We're tight. (laughs) Oh, JK, he's still an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. That that's this is my least favorite part of the movie is hate this it here right hate now. it with a fiery passion. Yeah. So yeah, Cusco basically leaves Pacha to die, and oh look though, the bridge collapses while he's on it. Karma's a bitch. Yeah. So they're both about to die. Here's how what I wrote for this. Mm-hmm. Please. Um, I say until he gets stuck to. Then they fight and they work together to save themselves. And that's basically what happens. They work together and they realize that they're stronger together and that they can get out of the situation together. Okay. (laughs) I'll tell you my notes. Okay. LOL scorpions and bats dead. (laughs) (laughs) We saw saw different movies here. Okay, um, but so we cut to then Isma and Kronk, who now have gone off to try and find Cusco to finish the job, as I said in my summary, uh, and they run into a squirrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kronk... Squiggerson. <laughs> exactly as Adina just demonstrated, Kronk can actually speak to the squirrel and finds out that he has had an encounter with a talking llama and the squirrel helps give directions to the direction of the llama. Question for you. Is this better or worse than Dory being able to speak whale? Better. <laughs> I like this so this much. This is just better. so absurd. I love this so much more than Dory speaking whale. Great. <laughs> Good question, though. So then we cut to the little rest stop diner. 
And I read that apparently there were rest stops along the Incan Trail. Obviously not as absurd as this, but like there were little stopping points along the Incan Trail. So while this is a giant parody, this is not too far-fetched. True. Valid. But basically we're at like some roadside American diner where you can get like, you know, side of gravy with your fried piece of shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With your fried pill bug. There we go. But we see that llamas are not allowed in this place. So um, Cusco and Pacha put Cusco into a little disguise so that they look like they're on their honeymoon. Now, Adina, you just had your honeymoon not too Mm -hmm, long ago. mm -hmm. Did you and Adam look like this on your honeymoon? (laughs) (laughs) You mean, did I look like a llama? Rude, Rachel. (laughs) I mean, Um, no, they seemed like they were in love is all I was going to say. We were very drunk the whole trip. Hey. I mean, as you should be on your honeymoon. Yeah, you should. But what I'm going to point out the most about this particular scene is that our waitress here says mazel tov and throws confetti on them. Yes, she does. That also, I didn't bring that up during my, you know, historical inaccuracy. Really? There were no Jews throwing confettis and saying mazel tov in... The Incan Empire. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> um, so in the diner where, you know, they go back into the kitchen, they piss the chef off. So Kronk has to become the chef. And you have Cusco and Isma going back and forth, giving the chef different directions. It's so well done. I will say... Well, I get that you don't like David's debate. A lot of comedic timing in this movie is very, very well done. Very well done. I got extremely frustrated here that Cusco was not believing Pacha. Pacha has proven himself again and again and again and again to be a loyal and trustworthy person. Yeah. And he says, look, these people are trying to kill you. He's like, no. No, I know them. I'm going to go find them. They can fix the situation. And so with that, Potch is just like, you know what? Fine. Go on now. Get. Like, don't. I'm not going to help Bye. you anymore. If you want to go with those people who I just overheard are trying to kill you, deuces, my man. Get out of here. Yeah. And so they, they separate. And as they separate, it takes all but five seconds until Cusco overhears Correct. that Yzma and Kronk are trying to kill him. And at that point, he is now all alone. Yes. And it's also at this point that I hear the word empire a lot. Mm-hmm. And I get it. He's the emperor in this movie. But whenever I hear empire, I just think Star Wars. <laughs> Adina. <laughs> Adina, this word means other things. So I understand it means other things, but we're talking about an empire with an emperor. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, There's more. All right. So now we cut back to Sad Llama in the Rain. We are back to where we began the movie. Yes. And there's, you know, a lot of fourth wall breaking, yada, yada, yada. We see, well, Yzma and Kronk are camping out. And Kronk just keeps waking himself up and having these revelations. But there's one that's real. He's like, oh, my God, I that guy, he was the guy who 
I ran into and he was on key, he was on the car like Cusco was on the cart. Oh my god, I'm not articulating anything well at all. My god. Hashtag Alvarino. Hashtag this wine is good. It is it is a very good wine. I think I've had Thank my you. like glass in my hand this entire time. Same. It is delightful. Now we see Cusco's kind of just like he, he's at the point where he's resided himself to live his, his life as a llama for the rest of his life. And he's like eating the grass. He's like, Neh. but then he overhears Pacha saying, oh, I don't know. He's a bad llama. Blah, blah, blah. Which, no, Pacha. No, no. Cusco's been a complete asshole. You owe him nothing, sir. Which I, well, well okay. Well, here's the, I just, when I watch this scene, I get that that's what you take from this scene. When I take from this scene, I just see Pacha being like Belle reading to the little <laughs> sheep around the fountain. That's what I see when I okay, watch Okay, okay, fair, 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 fair. Pacha has found Cusco. He knows he kind of has been keeping an eye on him this whole time. And the two of them say, you know what? Let's go back, check in on Pacha's wife, and then we're going to go back and take you to the the palace now we get an iconic scene here hell yeah so the double dutch which okay so i i loved jump rope growing up i was a girl who was very did you have Mm -hmm. i know that you went to private school so maybe you didn't have this did you have the jump rope people come to your school we did not have the jump rope people. Oh, God. Okay, well, when the jump rope people came to my school, I got obsessed with jump rope. And man, could I do double ju- Dutch? Could I do egg breeders? Could I do all types of different things? I loved jump rope. However, what they're doing is not double Dutch. Now, can I tell you, did this seem out of place to you slightly? I mean, kind of, yes. So I'll tell you why there was double Dutch in this movie. Please. Albeit fake double Dutch. <laughs> yes. Um... The appearance of Double Dutch in this movie was apparently at the demand of Walt Disney, of the Walt Disney Company. ESPN was covering the World Double Dutch Jump Roping Championship and needed a clip from a recent movie to show in their promotions. Now, I'm not saying. (laughs) What? That in the year 2000 is when I saw the jump ropers at my school. However, it was basically the year 2000 when I saw the jump ropers at my school. It's so weird. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I did not know that connection. Oh, really? You didn't? No. You looked like you knew that fact. No, I did not know that fact. That was amazing. But yeah, so we get this scene where Yzma and Kronk are trying to get information out of Pacha's family, their whole family. I mean, Kronk's not doing much. He's having fun. But Pacha realized that because he was told that his relatives were at his house. So he's like, oh, I know what's going on. I'm going to make sure that my wife and my children and everybody knows this is bad. Figure it out from here so that mm-hmm. they get the head start and they they head out. So we get this incredible scene of, <laughs> of getting Yzma out of the house. So good. Which then leads into the map chase montage. Which has the coolest thing that I have never realized until today. 
when I was organizing my notes for this movie, and that is at one point we see Yzma and Kronk get struck by lightning and they fall down a ditch, a canyon, a hole, a who knows what. We then cut to Kuzco and Pacha trying to find their uh, vial to turn into a human, and two things happen. Mm -hmm. One, as a avid Wizard of Oz fan, my bat mitzvah was Wizard of Oz themed, we have a (laughs) I need photos of this. It was the best. I have so Uh, many. We have a Lions, Tigers, and Bears Oh My reference, which was, again, required by Walt Disney, and they they did not like doing that joke whatsoever. No, they hated it. But when we get the Oh My, and we find out that Yzma and Kronk have beaten Kuzco and Pacha to the lab, they say... By all accounts, they pull down a map. Kronk says, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, they fell into a plot hole. And in that plot hole, they end up somewhere else and it makes no sense. And that is comedic writing at its best. Honestly, like I said, this is like, I didn't love this movie, but there are so many great moments. This Mm -hmm. was one of them. Yes, it's so good. It's It's so so well done. A whole bunch of fighting ensues. Yes. We get another hysterical meme, so to speak, (laughs) where all of the guards are turned into different animals. And one of them says, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? (laughs) You're excused. (laughs) You're excused. (laughs) So good. Just, this whole scene is hysterical. We first we see the aqueduct that goes through the nose of the head. <laughs> two things, two things. Pre couple things. Okay, that caption that we get on the on the aqueduct it said "blorp," and that made me <laughs> so happy to see the word "blorp." Also. <laughs> Cusco and Pasha are trying to turn Cusco into a couple of other things. Maybe mm-hmm. they have the right potion. They grabbed all of them. Let's see which one it is. Sure. And they turn Cusco into a couple of things. One is a bird and one is a whale mm-hmm. and back into a llama. And if we go back, Adina mentioned it so quickly at the very beginning. We see little baby uh, Cusco at the very beginning of the movie. And we see stuffed animals all around him of all of the animals he turn in, turns uh, into. Yes. What a good callback. There is a lot of struggle trying to get this damn vial. Yeah. And Yzma is turned into a cat, as Ah, I mentioned. So cute. And then falls off of our (laughs) cat. I'm sorry. I love this scene when she falls and she just hear you just hear the ah ah (laughs) like and then passes everybody. Yeah. So funny. And then onto a trampoline, which even, even, even if it was actually real, the 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 speed and the force at which she was falling, trampoline would have done nothing. I don't know. Remember that she is a cat. She's much lighter than like a human being at this point. I know she fell far. I know she fell far. But she is a cat. And cats are also like freaking liquid anyway. So she like (laughs) hits that and flings back up. I don't know. So at the end of all of this, Cusco, he's reaching for the vial. But also Pacha's about to fall. And we see that Cusco is finally not being selfish. 
saves Pacha's life. Yay. Um, and still gets what he wants at the end of all of this, which is to be turned back into a human. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I really, I, 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 I don't find him to be a sympathetic protagonist. I'm just like, eh, I really don't he's, care. He, he's not. You do not watch Emperor's New Groove for Cusco. You watch no, Emperor's New you Groove watch for Croc and for and Yzma. Yzma. True. Apparently the day has been saved. We cut to Cusco is back at his palace and he is apologizing to our old man who's been thrown out the window. So then we see Cusco does not build Cuscotopia. He builds a little hut next to Pacha's house. We see Chicha with the new baby. Uh, adorable. And yay, everything ends happy. Yay! <laughs> it's great! It's such a funny movie. And we do get our final scene in this movie is we get Kronk again being a junior chipmunk, yes. talking to the squirrel and teaching not only Pacha's children and the other <laughs> children of the village... But also Yzma, how to as be a, a cat. Yzma <laughs> as a cat. <laughs> True. Yzma as a cat, how to speak squirrel or chipmunk or whatever it may be. And it is just so, so classic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I There are ah. some great moments, but I, I, just, I think overall I just felt underwhelmed. Adina. And I think that that's because this movie was thrown together so haphazardly. I mean, that's very true. That Watching this movie and knowing all of those things, because I, I watched it now this time. I didn't really know the history of it before this time. And watching Why this would movie, you? <laughs> Who looks well, into the history of the movies unless you're doing this podcast? <laughs> fucking Clocky, man. He, he knows all. Clocky knows all. Clocky, you do it all. Cheers to you, sir. <laughs> Seriously, I will cheers to Clocky. But mm, there's no wine in that glass anymore. But <laughs> oh, I will no. say, watching, watching this now, I can see the haphazardness of the movie. But it does not take away the fact that this movie just holds such a special place in my heart. And really, I mean, Kronk and Yzma hold okay. such a special place in my heart. But like, it's it's not. It's not going to crack my my top 10 of favorite Disney movies. Sorry. Okay. That's fine. You know what? That's fine. But with that being <laughs> said, I I thoroughly, thoroughly did enjoy this wine. This might crack into oh. my top 10 wines. Oh, 100%. I, this has been <laughs> delightful. And look, this was on the higher end of the wines that we have purchased lately, which is not saying a lot. This this was delightful, and yes. I'm definitely open to trying other wines from Uruguay and this winery as well. So yeah, snaps. I I knew I would love this wine. No, this was great. I am. I will definitely get this again as somebody who likes an Albarino wine. This is great, and I think we are going to take a little podcast trip down to South America sometime. Just saying. Yo, uh, can we go that? to Machu Picchu? <laughs> Oh my God, can we just do a Bruce New Groove trip where we go to Machu Picchu, we go to this winery, we just go all <laughs> over South America, it'll be great. But um, as we 
close the chapter on our 40th episode and our yeah. 40th our 40th everything let's move into our, a new era into yes. 41 and moving forward what's our new era looking like all right thank you for saying the words new era this movie that i am choosing for our next pick is I'm so fucking excited, <laughs> guys. I am picking Encanto. Shut <laughs> up. We don't talk about Bruno, baby. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, nothing has been more of a conversation starter than this movie. I am so freaking excited. I love this movie. Adam loves this movie. We've already watched it together twice. I listen to this soundtrack all the time. I know that there are a shit ton of facts about it. And yes. I am so excited. I can't wait. I cannot, cannot wait to discuss this movie. That is an awesome pick. I am very excited. I love this movie. Obviously, I've seen this movie too. Duh. <laughs> But uh, I can't wait. I'm so happy that we are not leaving South America, that we are oh, no. staying in South America right now. That's so exciting. Rachel, I think it's time we raise our glasses and give a very hearty cheers. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Yes. Salute. Salute, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Disney Rewind. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other platforms where podcasts are found. Connect with us on social media by visiting at Disney Rewind on Instagram and on Facebook.com slash Disney Rewind for some fun content and moments mentioned on this episode. Join us over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Disney Rewind, and receive bonus episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and more behind-the-scenes content. For more information about us and our podcast, check out DisneyRewind.com. That is D-I-S-N-E-Y-R-E-W-I-N-E-D.com. Cheers. Cheers.